Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiru Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina Wa min sayyati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillala Wa man yudlil falahadiyalam وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشار الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النوم We welcome you to the sisters classes in which we are covering the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha matters of jurisprudence connected to the woman and benefits from the biographies of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is class number 17. In the last class of the Tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha, we were still covering some of the characteristics and the traits of the people of the book, meaning the Yahud and the Nasara. And in Surah Al-Fatiha, we ask Allah Azawajal to guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom His favor is upon. And we covered that the path of those whom Allah's favor is upon, they are the prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous. And their path consists of beneficial knowledge and righteous actions that accompany the beneficial knowledge. And we also ask Allah not to guide us to the path of those whom his anger is upon, nor those whom are astray. And they are the Yahud and the Nasara. In the Yahud, Allah's anger is upon them because they have knowledge and they do not practice their knowledge. 
And the Nasara are described as being astray because they have practices that are not based upon knowledge. And this goes against the path of those whom Allah's favor is upon because they combine between the beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. The tenth characteristic of Ahl Kitab that is upon us to stay away from Tadlil Kulli Ta'ifatan Lil Ukhra that each group from amongst them declares the other group to be misguided. Call Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala وَقَالَتَ الْيَهُودِ لَيْسَتَ النَّصَارَ عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَقَالَتَ النَّصَارَ لَيْسَتَ الْيَهُودِ عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَهُمْ يَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he states that the Yehud they say that the Nasara they are not upon anything and the Nasara say that the Yehud are not upon anything while they all read the book. Here Allah He describes the Yehud declaring the Nasara to be astray and the Nasara declaring the Yahud to be astray, although they both are connected to the same scriptures. Likewise, you find amongst the Muslims from the different groups. As an example, those who are connected to fiqh and the religion. When they see those who are devoted to worship, they do not consider them to be individuals who are upon knowledge. Rather, they view them to be ignorant. And they believe that they do not have any knowledge upon their way. And then many from those who are devoted to worship, when they see these individuals who devote themselves to learning the matters of jurisprudence in the religion, they view that dedicating oneself to learning legislation and knowledge, this is nothing. Because it cuts a person off from Allah So you have individuals from those who busy themselves with fiqh Declaring those who busy themselves with worship to be astray And then those who busy themselves with worship Declaring those who busy themselves with fiqh to be astray That which is correct. 
Whatever the Quran and the Sunnah has come with, with the understanding of the Sahaba, this is the truth. And whatever opposes the Quran and the Sunnah with the understanding of the Sahaba, then it is falsehood. This is what we use as a tool to measure and weigh and view things in Islam. The Quran, the Sunnah, the understanding of the Sahaba. What agrees with that? Alhamdulillah. What opposes it? We reject. When we look at the Quran and the Sunnah and the way of the Sahaba, knowledge precedes actions. Knowledge precedes actions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book commands the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with actions Afwan commands the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with knowledge before he commands him with actions And this is a proof that is used by the ulama to establish that knowledge precedes statement and action, the statement of Allah, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ Allah commands the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah and seek forgiveness for your sins and seek forgiveness for the sins of the believing woman the believing men and the believing woman so here in this verse Allah Azawajal commands the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to have knowledge of La ilaha illallah. And this is Surah Muhammad verse number 19. Have knowledge that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah. Allah mentions that first. And then after that he says, and seek forgiveness for your sins and for the sins of the believing men and the believing women. That's the action of seeking the forgiveness. Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he uses this statement as a proof for the title of the chapter, Bab al-Ilm qabl al-Qawl wal-Amal. Chapter, the knowledge precedes the statement and the action. So here in this verse also you have the combination of knowledge and actions together. 
Allah Azza wa Jal, from the first of that which He revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was Iqra. Right? Commanding the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to read, which is a commandment of having knowledge. And then what else? Ya ayyuhal mudathir, kum fa'andir, wa rabbaka fakabbir, wa thiyabaka fatahir. Oh, you wrapped up in garments, arise and warn. And magnify the praises of your Lord and purify your garment. So you have the commandment of knowledge. And this is in the beginning when Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the first revelation to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have the commandment of knowledge and also you have the commandment of the propagating of the knowledge and magnifying Allah Azza wa Jal based upon that knowledge. So this is the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba. One is not to busy himself with just learning and then he doesn't implement that which he learns. Nor is one to busy himself with just acts of ibadah but yet he neglects learning the religion. Because ibadah is to be based upon ilm. And ilm is to be accompanied with amal. So no one in Islam has the right to declare another Muslim to be astray except that that Muslim has opposed the kitab, the sunnah, the understanding of the sahaba, the practice of the sahaba. And this individual has done this intentionally opposing the text and does not accept the correction and advice. This is when a person is astray, doing things based off of ignorance, refusing to turn towards learning the deen. This is when a person is astray. Declaring someone to be astray in the religion is not based on, well, this person is not with my group. So automatically this individual is astray. Or this individual, he doesn't attend our masjid. So automatically the individual is astray. Or this individual, he doesn't come to our gatherings. Automatically the individual is astray. Or we do not see this individual around. Automatically the person is astray. SubhanAllah. Being astray is not based upon that. Or this individual, he doesn't speak well of those who we speak well of. So automatically the individual is astray. Or this individual, he has an issue with those who we are associated with. Automatically the individual is astray. No, this is not what determines whether a person is astray or not. Perhaps the individual doesn't come around because he works. He doesn't live in that locality. Perhaps the individual does not speak well of those whom you are associated with because he has a bad experience with those individuals. So his opinion of them is not good.
And there can be other reasons. But at the same time, this individual, he's adhering to the kitab and the sunnah with the understanding of the sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in. This is highly possible. So we have to be careful with being similar to the people of the book in this regard. Each group declaring the other group to be astray while both read the same scriptures. And this is a warning to the people of the sunnah those who ascribe themselves to the Salaf al-Salih, the righteous predecessors, the early generations of Muslims, those virtuous generations, the ones whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi said, خَيْرُ nas qarni, ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ that the best of the people is my generation and those who follow them and those who follow them. Those who ascribe themselves and connect themselves to these generations of Muslims. Be careful of declaring one another to be astray without proofs and evidences. You have individuals who believe in the Quran with the correct aqidah. And they worship Allah according to the Quran in the correct manner. They believe in the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with the correct aqidah, and they follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they adhere to the way of the Salaf al-Saleh, starting with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in, and they adhere to those who follow them up into our day and time, following the scholars of the sunnah. Be aware that you have individuals who have the same methodology declaring one another to be astray without proofs and evidences, without justification. This is the way of Ahlul Kitab. Those who are astray are those who have been declared to be astray according to the Quran and the Sunnah. And understanding of the Sahaba. Not those who you have a personal gripe with. So automatically they are astray. Or those who you have a difference with in a matter from the different matters. And they are different angles of understanding. Justified angles of understanding. So the person doesn't take your view and your opinion, so you declare the other ones to be astray. No, this is not correct. Also, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned That the people of this ummah, not all, but there are people from this ummah, they will follow the ways of Persia or the Persians and the Romans. 
And without a doubt, deviation from the Persians and deviation from the Romans have crept into the practice of Islam of some of the Muslims. And what is important in our recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha and adhering to that which is within Surah Al-Fatiha they're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to the straight path and tells us staying away from the paths of the people of disbelief no matter what denomination or religious practice they have we have to stay away from resembling them and whatever they do that Islam has allowed then we already have that in our religion and it's not considered to be following them rather it is considered that they are following the ways that have come on the prophets and the messengers because these groups of disbelief and misguidance not everything that they do is wrong the majority of the stuff that they do is wrong but not everything that they do is wrong they have some practices that are correct you may find amongst them as an example the Jews and the Christians being dutiful to your parents okay they have that with them alhamdulillah we have that in Islam and that was something that was the ways of all of the prophets and messengers so they have something with them from the remnants of the truth however just because they have with them some remnants of the truth they are not to be followed and they are not to be imitated rather we are those who are to be followed and imitated because we are following the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam meaning the muslims So we must keep away from that which causes the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we must keep away from that which will make us to be from the people who are astray. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين نعم in the last class we arrive to the topic dealing with the mannerisms of relieving oneself And from that which we covered, that when one relieves oneself, it is important to screen 
one's privates from the sight of the people and not expose oneself to the people, even if it be from the same sex, the same gender. Males are not to expose their privates in front of males. And likewise, the women are not to expose their private areas to other women. Also, when going to relieve oneself, one should make the dua before entering into the bathroom, saying, Bismillah, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubithi wal-khaba'ith. That's when you stop, you stop on the last letter, al-khaba'ith. But if you keep reading, you will say, min al-khaba'ithi. But it's the same word. So you say in the name of Allah, O oh Allah, indeed I seek refuge with you from the male and female jinn. Also there is a narration that has been declared authentic by a Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah ta'ala. Sat ma bayna a'yun al-jinn وأورات بني آدم إذا دخل أحدكم الخلاء أن يقول بسم الله. The covering or that which screens between the eyes of the jinn and the privates of the children of Adam when one of them enters into the area where he or she relieves oneself is that the person says, Bismillah. So when you say Bismillah, this puts a screen over one's privates to where the jinn cannot look at your private areas. Also, we cover that when one enters into the area to relieve oneself, one is not to face the Qibla or turn one's back to the Qibla. And this is based upon the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, إِذَا أَتَيْتُمُ الْغَائِتْ فَلَا تَسْتَقْبِلُ الْقِبْلَ وَلَا تَسْتَدْبِرُوهَا وَلَكِنْ شَرِّقُوا أَوْ غَرِّبُوا When one of you goes to relieve himself or herself, do not face the Qibla, nor turn your back to the Qibla, rather put it to your right or to the left of you. Put it to the right or to the left of you. And this is for the purpose
of honoring the Kaaba and the direction of prayer for the Muslims. For the Kaaba, is the sacred house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sacred house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that was erected by the prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam And some of the ulama, they say that the angels uh, built the Kaaba. Some say that Adam alayhi salam built the Kaaba. And then it was destroyed in the floods. So the area was there in the time of the Prophet Ibrahim. And then him... And his son Ismail reconstructed the Kaaba. And the people of the past, the believers of the past, prior to the Prophet ﷺ, they made Hajj to the Kaaba. As this is one of the fundamental acts of worship. Meaning that's present amongst the different nations, like salah, zakat, fasting. These are from the fundamental acts of worship that even the previous nations, they practice. Hajj is also one of them. So in honoring the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, One is not to pray, or one, excuse me, one is not to relieve oneself facing that direction. But the scholars, they differ as to whether this prohibition also is applicable to those who relieve themselves indoors. As for when one is outdoors, then the matter is clear. The hadith are clear. Do not face the qibla, do not turn your back to the qibla. Do not face the qibla, do not turn your backs to the qibla. We're going to get to that, inshallah. So do not face the Qibla, do not turn your backs to the Qibla. Without a doubt, this is when a person is outdoors. This is clear. And this is a prohibition. And the origin of a prohibition is forbiddance. The origin of a prohibition is forbidden. And we do not have that which removes 
this prohibition of forbiddance to be a prohibition of dislike for outdoors, that is. As for when one is indoors, you have the scholars disagreeing about this matter. Some of the scholars, they say, that when a person is indoors, that it is allowed for a person to face the Qibla or turn one's back towards the Qibla because one is indoors. And that which they use as a proof is the narration where Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma he seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam relieving himself and he was facing the direction of Sham and his back was towards the Kaaba. So here we have the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when one goes to relieve himself, do not face the Qibla or turn one's back to the Qibla. But now Abdullah ibn Umar, he sees the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam facing towards the Qibla. I mean, excuse me, facing towards Sham and his back is towards the Qibla. Some scholars, they say, well, this was specific for the Prophet ﷺ. Only he can do that. It's not for the rest of the Muslims. However, this is not accepted. Why? Because the origin is that whatever the Messenger does, is he's an example for us in these affairs. As Allah mentions, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا that indeed you have in the Messenger of Allah a beautiful example. So the Prophet ﷺ is an example for us. And we do not say that something is specifically for the Prophet ﷺ unless there is a proof that shows that the matter is specific for the Prophet ﷺ and not for the rest of the Muslims.
Also another matter, barakallah feekum. Is another narration. On the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar. The Abdullah ibn Umar, he took his camel and put it in the direction of the Qibla and then he sat down and urinated. So Marwan, he said, Ya Aba Abdul Rahman, O oh, father of Abdurrahman, is not this act something that has been prohibited? Meaning, facing the Qibla. So Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, Bala, rather this act has been made prohibited. In the manuhiya an hada fil fada'a. Amma idha kana baynaka wa bayna al qibla shay yasturuk fala bat bihi. He said, rather, yes, this has been prohibited. Meaning, one facing the qibla when relieving oneself. He said, but this is when one is out in the open. As for when there is something between you and between the Qibla that screens you, then there is no harm. So here, Abdullah ibn Umar was the one who Seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam relieving himself in a closed area, facing Sham, turning his back to the Qibla. So Abdullah ibn Umar, he's one of the Sahabas who was serious in following the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Here it is. He's relieving himself facing the Qibla, but he has his camel in front of him. Also, there is a narration on the authority of Jabir radiallahu anhu, where he stated 
نهانا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أن نستقبل القبلة بغائط أبول فرأيته قبل أن يموت بعام يستقبلها And this narration is in the Sunan of Abi Dawood and Ibn Majah. He said, The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited us from facing the Qibla when we defecate or urinate. And then I seen him a year before he died facing the Qibla. Some ulama, they have commented on this narration by saying this is an indication that when one is inside of the homes that the prohibition is no longer applicable. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he did this. And other scholars, they say, but the texts that prohibit are general. So, you go according to the general wording. And that is that one should not face the Qibla, nor turn one's back to the Qibla when one is indoors. And this has come on some of the Sahaba where they understood this to be general. Like Abu Ayyub radiallahu an, he said, when we came to Sham, we found the toilet areas have been built in the direction of the Kaaba. So we used to turn ourselves and seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is meant by we used to seek forgiveness? Some ulama, they say they used to seek forgiveness for the ones who built the toilets in the direction of the Kaaba. And others have said, no, this is not correct because what is apparent that these toilets were built before Islam. And others said, no, that which is correct, they actually were seeking forgiveness for themselves. Because when they would turn, it would not be a complete turning away from the direction of the Kaaba. So they did the best that they could but there was some deficiency in their turning 
because they didn't have the ability to turn all the way away from the Kaaba because of the way that the toilets were built. So some scholars, they use this as a proof. That whether you are indoors or outdoors, one should not face the Qibla. Or turn one's back to the Qibla. And they say, as for those narrations, where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam faced the Qibla, or turn his back to the Qibla, they say that whenever you have a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, and then you have an action that goes against the statement, that the statement is given precedence over the action. Because it could be, going back to the other matter, that the, the matter is specifically for the Prophet ﷺ. So that's why he did it. So, but you still have his statement. But again, there is no clear evidence that the act was specifically for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you have the scholars, they mentioned that when relieving oneself indoors, This is a matter that is easier and lighter especially when the toilets have been built facing the direction of the Qibla. So the person is excused in this case. He's not held accountable. Because it is difficult upon the person to turn when the right when the toilet itself is built in the direction of the qibla and also you still have that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was seen by ibn umar facing sham turning his back to the the kaaba in the house of hafsa And in the event, Allah knows best. But those who build houses and the likes, especially for the Muslims, it's best. Don't build the toilet in the direction of the Qibla. So therefore, you escape the differing of the scholars in this matter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd in the last class we covered the narration where 
the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was married to Sauda bin Zam'a by her father as he viewed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to be a man that was honorable, a man who would suffice in taking care of his daughter. And Sauda radiallahu anha, she married the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And she was with him without a co-wife for approximately three years. And then once the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had got to Medina, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he married again. There are some benefits and virtues that we see from Sauda after her marriage to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We see in her life that she was a woman who followed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she held to his commandments. Also we see that she was a woman who was kind and generous and she was intelligent. Sauda radiallahu anha She had made Hajj with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said to his wives during the farewell Hajj, after making the Hajj or when they made the Hajj, Hadihi he said, this is the Hajj. And then after this, the backs of the straw mats. This is the Hajj, and after this, the backs of the straw mats. In another wording, the Prophet ﷺ stated, إِنَّمَا هَذِهِ الْحَجْ 
ثم الزمنا ظهور الحصور The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he stated to his wives during the year of the farewell hajj indeed this is the hajj the nathadat hold to the backs of the straw mats Abu Hurairah radiallahu an he mentioned that the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam all of them they have made hajj again except for Zainab bin Jahsh and Sauda bin Zam'a radiallahu anhuma wa kanata taqulan wallahi لا تحركنا والله لا تحركنا دابة بعد قول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هذه ثم ظهور الحصر In both of them they used to say we swear by Allah that an animal will not move us again after the statement of the Messenger of Allah, this is the Hajj, and then after that, the backs of the straw mats. So what did they understand? They understood from the Prophet ﷺ to remain in their homes and not to make Hajj again so for this reason, they did not make Hajj again, meaning Zainab and Sauda bin Zam'a, following the statement of Allah, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَا تَبَرَّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّ الْأُولَى And remain in your homes and do not make a dazzling display of yourself like in the first time of the pre-Islamic ignorance. So Sauda, this is what she understood from the Prophet ﷺ that she was to remain in her home. And some narrations mention that Sauda anha did not come out of her home ever after that. And that she did not come out of her home until she was taken out as a deceased woman so that she can be prayed over and buried in the janazah but the point is this was her strong adherence to the Prophet ﷺ. this was the understanding of Zainab bin Jash and Sauda bin Zam'a now does this mean that the rest of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu oppose the commandment of the Prophet Sallallahu No. Because they, their understandings of this were different. And the Mashiach have mentioned 
that this was a matter of ijtihad and, and what, what was intended by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As Umar ibn Khattab, he allowed for the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make hajj. And he sent them to make hajj. And likewise, Uthman after him sent them to make hajj. So they say this is an indication that it wasn't a clear command from the Prophet ﷺ for them to remain in their homes and not come out whatsoever. But Sauda, this is what she understood And she held to her understanding And the other wives, they understood that They are to remain in their homes Except when there is a need to come out Like making another hajj Or another religious reason Going to the masjid Visiting a relative or sick one Or the likes of that the Sauda, she understood not to come out of her house again. This was a command from the Prophet Sallallahu That's what she understood and she held to that. And no one blamed her. And this shows, Barakallah Fikum Jami'an, at time, virtuous people have different understanding of the same text. Due to the possibility of it having the other meaning And when you have this type of affair And you find this amongst the scholars They differ in matters Reading the same text They differ in their understanding of the text You don't find them speaking ill of one another Like in the case With where do you put your hands? After you come up from Rukur, do you put your hands back on your chest? Or do you put your hands back to your sides? And the same hadith is used by both sides as to where you put your hands. But the point here is to show how serious so that was in following the commandments of the Prophet Wasallam. And this is how the Muslim woman is to be. And that is, she is a woman who is staunch when it comes to following the Sunnah. She is a woman of the Sunnah. Following the commandments of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam As innovation 
in deviant are matters that women they unfortunately fall victim to as it is mentioned that the majority of the followers of the Dajjal are the women and the children so it is a must that the woman hold fast to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not leave the sunnah for anything and not allow their emotions to be a cause for them to leave off adhering to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Look at the position of Aisha radiallahu anha When the woman came to her And said Why is it That We have to Make up our fast After becoming clean From our monthly cycles But we don't have to make up our prayers Aisha radiallahu anha said to her, Hururiya anti, are you a woman who is Haruriya, meaning a woman from the woman of the Khawarij? As Harura was a place where the Khawarij had gathered. And the Khawarij, they used to order their woman to make up the Salat after becoming clean from their monthly cycles as they were individuals who rejected much of the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned to her rather this is what we were commanded to do we were commanded in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make, our, make up our fast and we were not commanded to make up our prayers so look at Aisha radiallahu anha being staunch and following the sunnah. And we come to her biography, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. These are some of the points of benefits we will cover and the benefits of minhaj that we get from this incident with Aisha radiallahu anha, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So Sauda, she remained in her home, adhering to the command of the Prophet ﷺ, and she did not allow that which others did to make her leave off that which she understood that the Prophet ﷺ intended. Another point regarding Sauda 
radiallahu anha that she was one who did not put herself before the commandments of Allah and His Messenger. As has come in the narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, that they arrived to Muzdalifa. So Sauda sought the permission of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to leave Muzdalifa before the crowd of people leave. And this was due to Sauda at the time being a woman who was up there in age. As when she married the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it is mentioned that she was about 55 years of age when she married the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So she married the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the 10th year of prophethood. And then he migrated to Medina three years later, so now she's 58. And then he was in Medina for 10 years. And the Prophet Sallallahu made Hajj in the 10th year. So she's about 78 years old at the time, making Hajj. So she's an older woman and she was weak due to her age. So she sought the permission of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to leave before the crowd of people leave. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave her permission. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that she had wished that she had also got the permission to leave just as Sauda did. She said, فَلَيْتَنِي كُنْتُ إِسْتَأَذَنْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ كَمَا إِسْتَأَذَنَتْهُ سَوْدَى She said, Oh, I wish I would have sought the permission of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم to leave Muzdalifa early just as Sauda, she did. And this is an indication of, number one, Sauda radiallahu anha, not just doing something on her own and making up an excuse that, well, I'm older, so it should be understood. No, she got the permission from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam first. And then she left. Also it shows her intelligence and her understanding what's going on around her, that she sought the permission to leave before the crowd leaves. And if anyone has made hajj, you know the difficulties in leaving Muzdalifa in the morning after making fajr. 
for the crowd is leaving, it's difficult, uh, it's crowded, and other than that. So once again, this is an indication of her adherence to the sunnah. And being a woman who was intelligent, seeking to put ease upon herself based upon the religion. And now, from this act of sauda, seeking the permission from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for her to leave Musdalifah early, this is not just applicable to sauda, but this is for all of the, all of the women who are in her state. The women who have difficulties upon them and it will be a hardship on them to leave in the morning. They are allowed to leave during the night. What a blessed woman Sauda she was. Because our Muslim women in this day and time benefit from that which Sauda she did. And this is why it is important that we honor the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them all, the men and the women from amongst them, because from that which they went through and experienced and sacrificed, we benefit from those things today as Muslims. So when you find someone speaking ill of the wives of the Prophet wasallam speaking ill of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in general, they know for sure this person is astray. For the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, specifically in the Sahaba in general, they are the best of the people. Another narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, she stated, وَدَتُّ أَنِّي كُنْتُ أَسْتَأْذَنْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ كَمَ أَسْتَأْذَنَتْهُ سَوْدَى فَأُصَلِّ الصُّبْحِ بِمِنَا فَأَرْمِي الْجَمْرَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَأْتِيَ النَّاسِ فَقِيلَ لِعَائِشَةً فَكَانَ لِسَوْدَى إِسْتَأْذَنَتُهُ قَالَتْ نَعْمْ فَاسْتَأْذَنَتْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَأَذِنَ لَهَا So she said, I love that I had sought the permission of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم just as سَوْدَى sought permission so that I can pray the morning prayer in Mina, and I can stone the Jamr before the people come. So it was said to Aisha, radiallahu anha, Sauda sought permission from him? She said yes. She sought the permission of the Messenger of Allah, and he gave her permission, meaning to leave before morning. And this again, as, as was stated, it shows the intelligence 
of Sauda that she didn't want to be with the crowd when she's stoning the Jamara or in the morning praying her morning prayer and be inconvenienced and then her age and then also her weight as is mentioned in some narrations that she was a woman that was heavy so this could have caused some complications for her being mixed with the crowd or she could have gotten hurt or the likes and this alhamdulillah this shows that this religion is a religion of ease it is a religion of mercy the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as allah described him wama arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alamin and we have not sent you o muhammad except as a mercy to the creation so this is from the mercy of the religion that Sauda was allowed to leave before the crowd and go back to Mina and pray the morning prayer in Mina and stone the Jamara before the, the crowd of people they come. Another point from this, Mubarakallahu fikum, we will end with this point. The respect and honor that Sauda she had for her husband, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Not only is he the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but he was her husband. And it is befitting that a woman does not take it upon herself to make decisions without consulting with her husband, getting the permission from her husband. And this is from that which preserves the good relationship between a man and his wife that she shows respect and honor towards her husband. That which we have in Islam of a woman not leaving her home except seeking the permission of her husband, this is not for the purpose of oppressing the woman. Rather, it is for the purpose of the maintaining of the stability in the home and the open lines of communication in the home and it is a means of protection for the woman as the women are targets for people of evil and the men Allah Azawajal has made them responsible for protecting and maintaining the woman so when you find in the text the rules and regulations such as the wife seeking the permission of the husband to leave, the sisters should not look at that as something as taking away their rights. No, this is for their protection. Also, it is a means of honor and respect that the woman shows to her husband. And here we find in the situation Sauda radiallahu anha not only 
honoring the Prophet ﷺ as the Prophet and Messenger, not doing something before she get his command, but also this is her husband, that she is going to, seeking his permission to move on from Muzdalifah to avoid the complications that can come with being mixed with the crowd of Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ was merciful to her and loving towards her and gave her the permission to leave, taking into consideration her state. And this is how the husbands should be with their wives, taking into consideration the state of your wife. Sometimes you may have a position, but you have to look at how does that affect your family. And there are times where we have to be individuals who are lenient within the scope of the religion. And we compromise within the scope of the religion for the comfort of our families. And this is not something that takes away from your manhood. Rather, this is something that increases you and manhood as men. So there are many lessons that we find in the interaction between the Prophet ﷺ and his family. And this is something that we should study and read and benefit from. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Whatever is incorrect is for myself. Subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika shadu an la ilaha ila ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.